Hey everyone, welcome to the Hometown Fresh Podcast, the show that talks all things grocery, customer service, career development, and more. Today we'll be hearing from our meat and seafood category analyst, Will McDaniel, as he speaks with our vice president of meat and seafood for 45 years, Lane Chastain, about his career and upcoming retirement. We'll discuss the ever-shifting and changing meat industry, as well as Lane's career accomplishments, advice to his younger self, his experience working with Harps for so many years, and what's next on his agenda for retirement. Lane has made waves for our company and grown so much with us since starting here 45 years ago. Listen in to hear what wisdom he has to offer and learn more about working with Harps long-term. Take it away, gentlemen. Thank you, Grace, for that introduction. We're very glad to be here today. It's a beautiful July here at Harps at the corporate office, and Lane, thanks for being on the podcast today. Glad to be here. Lane, your career started in 1978 in September, fresh out of high school at the Harps and Mountain Home. I'm going to go through your career timeline real quick and stop me if I mispronounce or slaughter anything on here. All right. So in 1978, you started as an apprentice meat cutter in Mountain Home, Arkansas. In 1980, you moved to Rector, Arkansas to be the meat manager. In 1981, you made the transition back to Mountain Home as cutter. And in 1988, you made the move to Yellville as a meat manager there. You're the meat manager in Yellville from 1988 to 2005. During that time, you were a five-time meat manager of the year and entered the Harps Hall of Fame, which is no small accomplishment. Thank you. In 2005 to 2014, you were a meat and seafood merchandiser. In 2014, you made the transition to the office in Springdale as the first meat and seafood category manager. November 10th, 2015, you got the call. You were going to be the next director of the meat and seafood department when we had 80 stores. And now, looking at your retirement, as vice president, we have 143 stores. Since Lane's taken on the role as director and then vice president of meat and seafood, sales have grown substantially from revenues in fiscal year 2017 of $116 million to north of $218 million year-to-date this year. We're looking at a timeline of Lane's fiscal year revenues under his watch, and they are well north of $1.3 billion as meat and seafood vice president and director. Yeah, it's a huge accomplishment. Thank you. It seemed like it took a lot longer to get to this point than it does to talk about it. (laughs) I just want to uh, make sure everybody is aware that I know I didn't do that by myself. I have a lot of good people that work for me and have worked for me, and uh, their credit goes to the team. That's a good point. You surround yourself with really good people out in the stores and in the office and have great field representatives as merchandisers and it takes team effort to reach those kind of figures. I want to throw a couple other things out there. You can say yes or no or claim credit if you want to. (laughs) Okay. We can point the blame. We can point the credit full service towards you as meat and seafood vice president. You've implemented, been behind implementing nine full service meat and seafood departments. Would you like to take credit for that? I don't know if you call it credit or not, but that was one of my goals whenever I became director was to uh, grow that part of our business. It happened a little bit uh, more slowly than what I had hoped. Actually, I had a goal of before I retired to have 20 full service markets, but the pandemic really put the brakes on that project. And so far, we've only added one, I believe, department in the last couple of years. We have several other locations that are probably deserving, but We've not quite bounced back from the pandemic yet. And until that happens, my goal was to let's wait and let the economy bounce back and see what the existing markets do before we move forward. And that's kind of where we're at right now. I'd like to say that full service departments look really good. Your vision there was well executed. You know, our customers love it. It's great for Harps as a brand to really push fresh meat and seafood offerings. So job well done implementing those nine departments. Thank you. 
All right, so take us back to 1978. You're 18 years old. What interested you in working in the meat department at Harps? At the time, my main goal was I needed a job. I had graduated in May of 1978, graduated high school. And you know, usually when your child graduates, their goal is to move away from home. Well, when I graduated, my folks moved away from home. And they moved back east where they were from and left me in Mountain Home. And uh, I'm pretty sure they felt strongly that it wouldn't be long that I would be following out back east. I was bound to determine not to let that happen. And so uh, I hit the pavement hard to find work. And my mother did used to be meat wrapper for the old Harps 194 in Mountain Home. And so I kind of knew the market manager there and some of the people that worked in the meat department. And so I not only applied, but I applied and went back every other day wanting to know if they was going to hire me. And finally, they gave me an interview and put me to work. That's awesome. I had no idea about your mother working there. That's really neat. Yeah. So you've had several roles, category manager, merchandiser, worked in the stores quite a long time, and now you're vice president. Do you have a favorite role that you've been in? I've really enjoyed all the levels I've been at over my career, but if I had to select a time frame and a role that I played during my career that I would say I enjoyed the most, it would probably be my time as market manager at Store 189 Yovel. Those were probably my favorite and most fun years of my career simply because there's nothing like working with the public. That's a part that once you become a supervisor, you don't get that anymore. But I made a lot of really good friends and developed a lot of good relationships with customers and the community during my time as market manager in Yovel. Made a lot of friends that actually worked there at the store. We had a good camaraderie. Back then, we played softball. We had cookouts. Um, you know, we done a lot of stuff at store level for the associates. And so I feel strongly that that time frame in my career was probably my favorite. That's a great answer. Was there, uh, whenever you're going back to Yellville, were you there, the old store, and then when we built the new store, were you there for both phases? Yes. Whenever I was promoted to Yellville in 1988, the old Yellville store was still there. And in 1994 is when they built the new store, tore the old store down. And it was quite a change, not just for me and the associates, but it was also a huge change for the town. And that store still stands and is still very successful for the company. I'd say that the Yellville store is a huge piece of that community. It's a staple of that community. I know anytime I drive through Yellville, I like to stop into that location. I know going back to your time at Yellville, we still have vendors to this day who would call on you back then. I think someone like Ron Floyd, it's interesting to think about how long that's been, but also there's still relationships there that we have today. It's really neat. Many probably don't understand that even at store level, it's important to build those relationships for the future. And I was fortunate enough to have a really good relationships with many brokers at store level that those relationships, as I progressed through the company, became very, very important. And that is a huge part of the success that I've had was developing those relationships at a young age and carrying those strong relationships through my career has made a huge difference in my success. Absolutely. That's a good word. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you. I just, as you were talking, I had some questions that we didn't write down. I hope this is okay, Will, that Absolutely. I'm interrupting. Go for it. Um, but I didn't realize you graduated from Mountain Home. 
That's where I, I'm from. Actually, I didn't graduate from Mountain Home, but if you know where Mountain Home is, you know where Norfolk, Arkansas oh, yeah. is. Okay. And I graduated from Norfolk. I usually talk about you know going to school in that area because most people don't know where Norfolk is. Oh, I know Norfolk. <laughs> we know uh, Norfolk. But yep. uh, you know, Mountain Home is uh, after I graduated resided in Mountain Home and so mm-hmm. the Mountain Home is I call that my hometown community but I am actually from Norfolk. Okay that's awesome. I know Heidi said she lived in Mountain Home for a while too and so we have a lot of great people from there and it's always exciting when someone knows what I'm talking about because <laughs> I meet a lot of people here who they either know it or they don't and sure. like my college roommates were like Mountain where? What is it? <laughs> and people get it mixed up with Mountain View too. Absolutely. I still have uh, quite a bit of family over there, so I I travel over there quite a bit. That's cool. It's a beautiful area. It really is gorgeous. Well, since we're on the subject (laughs) of Mountain Home, is there anybody else in this building that you worked with in Mountain Home, thinking of someone else who's been with the company a long time? I don't know of anybody that works, per se, out of the office that I've worked with in the Mountain Home area. I know Kim worked the Mountain Home that's, store that's where for I was, a while. That's where I was. Oh, sorry. I was, I was teeing it up for <laughs> you, Elaine. I, I guess, well, I guess I was thinking of people that was from the Mountain Home area. Kim, yes, I, I did work with Kim when he was a uh, grocery manager at the old 194. And then again, I believe, when he was store manager, once we moved out of the old 194 and opened up 135 in Mountain Home, he was a store manager there. And at that time, I was still cutting meat at that location. It's neat to think about all these years later, y'all are both up here at the office in Springdale. And- yeah, Kim and I commonly talk about those days because we both worked for people over there at that time that had had a huge influence on both of us. And so we commonly talk about those times. Mm-hmm. What is one of the most enjoyable projects you've been part of your time at Harps? I've been a part of a lot of projects enjoyable i'm not sure but i feel as though one of the biggest projects that i got to be involved in was the development of our cost plus program i believe that cost plus has grown into such an important part of our company and i feel fortunate that i was able to be in on the ground floor of that development and it turned out to be such a huge success so i I would say the cost plus format development was probably my favorite that's a great answer it's a huge uh, success is probably an understatement that that a brand has done really well and continues to do well all these years later, and that's a great answer. Can you elaborate on, for someone who may not be familiar, because I know I wasn't familiar with 10box before I moved over here, so just if we have listeners who are unfamiliar with 10box, can you explain kind of what that entails? Sure. Cost plus format is basically we price everything at cost, the customer buys it at cost, and then to check out, uh, 10% of that is added on to the cost of the product or the retail. That format allows us to, to be very aggressive in our retails. The profit margin there is less, so we get to really... You know, you hear the, the old saying is you stack it high and sell it cheap. Well, a lot of that's went away, but when you come to a cost plus format, that really is what we still get to do. We get to buy a lot of product and sell it at a great value for the consumer, especially in today's world, consumers looking for the best value they can find, and they're turning to the cost plus format, which is 10 bucks, cash saver, those type stores to, to really get that value. 
That's cool. So you helped develop that? Uh, yes, I got to develop what the meat department program for that format okay. was. And of course, everybody talks about how meat drives the business. Lots of times that's true. That's not always true. But in this particular format, in a cost plus format, meat is a big driver. I'm not going to say it's the only driver, but it is a huge driver of that business. And so for me to have the privilege of developing that sales strategy for that format and it being the success that it was, to me, is a huge thing for my career. It was one of the biggest successes, I believe, that I personally got to be involved in. Yeah, that's super cool. And that's like a huge, I mean, it's a a career cap for sure. Something to put your name to. And a ton of people love that format and almost prefer it. And you're right, as far as the meat department goes, I've heard tons of people say that they have been able to get meat in bulk and stock up on it for a really great price. And so that's really cool. That's part of the fun thing about that part of my career was it had been many, many years since I had gone into a grocery store, even our grocery stores, and seen people piling shopping carts full of nothing but meat. Mm-hmm. When I got to see that for the first time when we opened up the, our first cost plus market or our first 10 box, that was such a great feeling to see, look what I got to be a part of. The consumer was coming in and buying just shopping carts full of all products and lots of meat. And so that was a really special time in my career where I got to see results of something I was involved in. And that was a great feeling. Looking back at some of the meat directors you worked for over the years, did you have a certain meat director you really enjoyed working for and looked up to? I don't know if I've got a favorite one. I worked under Merle Hull as a market manager. I worked under David Wright as a market manager and a merchandiser. And then I worked under Kerry Otwell as the first meat seafood category manager. I believe they all were very good in their roles as far as having a favorite one. I believe they were all good, and I had good relationships with all three. And so I would have to say they were all my favorite. That's a good answer. That's a uh, a good politician's answer, all of them. <laughs> but I'm, I'm sure to this day you think of things each one taught you that you would and wouldn't do or learn lots of good lessons. And That's true. I learned less from Merle because he was the director, I was market manager, and so there was some separation there between Merle and myself. I did work directly under David Wright, and so I did learn a lot from David. And then I worked directly under Kerry. David, he kind of taught me inner workings of the office. He opened my eyes to a lots of merchandising things going on in the store. And so I owe him a lot of credit for my career and my success. When Kerry came on board, he opened my eyes and exposed me to a side of the business that I had not been exposed to, which was outside of the AG world or AWG world. Mm -hmm. He introduced me to how the brokers worked. He introduced me to beef suppliers, pork suppliers, poultry suppliers that I probably would have never had relationships with. And those relationships that he interjected me into really paid off after Carrie decided to leave. I was able to maintain those relationships and grow them. And so they were all good directors, but Carrie introduced me to a side of the business that I may not have seen if he had not been here. I don't think the relationship with National Beef and Seaboard, Tyson, those relationships can't be spoken well enough. We're benefiting from those relationships today, and those are strong partners, and that's a great thing from Carrie. Absolutely. So first I want to say, what is your favorite cut of steak? How do you like it prepared? And on what cooking surface do you like it prepared? 
Well, this will be the easiest question I've been asked all day. My favorite steak is a good Black Angus choice ribeye. I like to take that ribeye and I like them cut about an inch thick. I like mine cut about an inch thick. I'll usually marinate it in a little bit of Worcestershire sauce, even though it don't need it. I like the additional flavor. And then about an hour before I'm going to cook it, I'll set it out and put just a little bit of seasoning on it, let it get to room temperature, and then I'm going to cook that on a hot charcoal grill. And to me, it doesn't get any better than that. Well, heard it here first. (laughs) You can't mess up a steak if you do it that way. So what seasoning do you put on it? I'm just curious. It varies. My favorite is Chipotle seasoning. Heck yeah. Uh, But... uh, As long as it doesn't have too much sodium in it, I like any seasoning. To me, the key is marinating it. In the, I use Worcestershire sauce. I like marinating it in the fridge uncovered and then letting it get to room temperature with a little bit of seasoning before you cook it. So you get the opportunity to talk to your younger self, maybe Lane at 30, 35, 40. What advice would you give Lane? I would probably tell myself that what you want to do or one of the many things that you make sure you want to do is focus on making good decisions. Many young folks, I don't believe, know the importance of making good decisions even at a young age. And I was no different. I didn't realize the importance of that until I actually started to mature and get older myself. But I did come to the realization that making good decisions is vital. And there's a difference between making good decisions and bad decisions and wrong decisions. And a lot of people don't understand that you have to avoid the bad decisions. It's okay to make a wrong decision, but you have to avoid the bad ones. And a bad decision is when you know you're about to make the wrong decision and you make it anyway, that's a bad decision. Those are the ones that young people must avoid. And I I would tell myself that now, if I was 35 years old, I would look at myself and say, you have to avoid the bad decisions. Those are career killers. And you make those, and uh, many times you never get a second chance. Also, I would probably tell myself that you should always have goals, no matter if it's personal goals in your personal life or work goals in your work life. You must have those or you will never achieve what is capable. And so I always urge young people to set yourself goals, set realistic goals, and then develop a path to achieve those goals, and you'll be much happier. Those are two really thoughtful, well-put answers to that question. We appreciate that. Who would you say is the most impactful individual you've had on your career? That would be a really, really difficult question to answer because I've had several people that has made positive impacts, and I've had some that's made negative impacts. And those negative impacts, I've learned just as much from the negative impacts as I have the positive impacts. Mm-hmm. And so I will name a few people that, that I believe has definitely made a difference in my career. First of all would be Don Harvey, who was the manager that first interviewed me and hired me and put me to work for Harps. He taught me how to cut meat and taught me a lot about being a market manager. Don Harvey, Merle Hull, he had a huge impact on my career when he decided to put me into a management position. And so he had a huge impact on my career. 
the late David Wright. He was the one that chose me to become a merchandiser in 2005, and that had a huge impact on my life. I've talked about Kerry Otwell already. The things that I learned from him has been a huge impact. And of course, Kim Eskew and the executive committee who had faith in my abilities to lead our meat departments for the last eight years. That was huge. I want to say thank you to each one of those people I just mentioned. Do you have fond memories of the day whenever Kim told you that you'd be leading the department? That was kind of a daze because I didn't, couldn't quite believe what I just heard. But yes, I have fond memories of that conversation. So we're now exactly, it's funny how I wrote the question with, what does your last 30 days of HARPS look like? And we're actually, as of today, you've got 30, <laughs> 30 business days here at HARPS. What do your last 30 days at HARPS look like? And what do your first 30 days of retirement look like? Well, my last 30 days of being uh, an associate for Harps Foods will probably be a lot of training because one of the most important jobs that someone in this position has is ensuring that once they're gone, the department continues on without them. And so one of my main focuses has been and will continue to be training the people that work directly under me so that the day I do retire, I won't be missed. I don't want the department to miss me. I don't want anyone to say, Lane's gone and something's going to go wrong. First of all, I know it's not because I know I've selected the people that work under me. I know their capabilities and I know that's not going to happen. But yet I will work right up to the very last day to pass on all the information I have to the people I'm leaving behind. I think that's the most important thing I can do. I also, in between the training, I'll probably visit with people that I've built relationships with out in the meat community just to say thank you. And uh, some of them may be goodbye. I don't know. You never know who you're going to run across out on the street. But there is a list of people in the next 30 days that I want to personally visit with and say thank you for the opportunity and thank you for being a great partner. And uh, that will probably eat up most of those 30 days. What kind of plans do you and Cheryl have the month after you retire? Any trips? Yeah, I wanted to make sure that we didn't get bored too soon. And so we've got a couple of vacations planned in September. Everybody loves going to the beach, and we're no differently. So two weeks after I retire, we're going to head for the Gulf and uh, celebrate my retirement. And I've got a birthday during that time. And so we just felt like it'd be a great time to head for the beach. And then once we get back from there, we won't be back very long. We have an RV. That's our pastime favorite. And the fall is a great time to RV. And so we've got quite a few RV trips scheduled between late September and uh, and late November. And so we're going to ensure that we stay busy. And if we get bored, it's not going to be in the first four to six months. Well, sounds like you've got got some pretty good plans. I know Cheryl also keep you pretty busy. I'm sure she's got her her list for you. Yeah, I mean we've all got honeydews. I'm no different. That's right. So looking back, what has being a part of an ESOP meant to you in your career here at Harps? Well, it has allowed me to retire. And that's what it's set up to do. I was no different from most people back in two thousand one when we became employee owned. Really didn't know what that meant. Really didn't know what it was going to lead to. But as time went on, I realized the importance of that and how my abilities affected that. And uh, once you realize that, it really does make you want to raise your performance to the next level because the better I do, the better you do, the better we do, the better the stock price does. And that really allows people like me and 
like you at some point to be able to retire when you decide you're ready to do that or ready to retire. We're all owners here and it takes each one of us working our best every day. And like I say, thank you for your impact to the ESOP program and all your many years. Well, you're welcome. I think everyone should take pride in being an owner of our company because not just everyone gets that opportunity. That's an opportunity that is given to each one of us. We don't pay for it. It's given to us, but we do need to earn it. And we earn it by always doing the right thing, always doing the best job we can do. And that's what helps grow our stock price. What would your elevator pitch be to someone who's considering a career in the meat industry? My pitch for that would be in a grocery store at store level, the meat department typically pays better than other departments. The opportunity for growth is great. And once once you've entered into the meat business, if you're passionate about it, many doors can be opened to opportunity, not just within HARPS. Now, I would prefer people that I've trained and brought through to stay with HARPS, but once you're in the meat business, there are lots of opportunities that are available out there in the community. And so to me, that's one of the biggest things is the more opportunities a person has, the more chances you have of accelerating to success. I would think that would be my pitch. Elaine, I think I speak for everyone here at Harps. Thank you for your many, many years of service. You've been a great mentor to many of us. You've had a really strong impact on, I know, me and Dakota's lives professionally and personally, and we both look up to you tremendously. And your presence, your guidance, your wisdom will be missed by all of us. And just want to say thanks for hopping on today, and thanks for all you've done for Harps. Well, you're welcome, Will. And I want to say thank you to you and each and every person that works in our department, because it's you and all the meat departments associates who has really had the success over my career not just me and so there's no way that I could have done it without a strong office staff a strong merchandising staff and a strong management staff and that's real teamwork whenever all of those parts fit together to have the success that we've had and it's the team that has had the success and so thank you and to each meat department associate for that well We've got 30 more days together. We'll have some more fun, and then we can send you off into retirement. Well, as I was telling Grace a few minutes ago, when you're this close, there are no bad days. That's right. <laughs> and so I've got a smile on my face, and I'm, I'm not having a bad day for the next 30 days. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks so much to Will and Lane for hopping on today and sharing their stories and advice with us. We're sad to see Lane go, but so excited to watch out for what he will accomplish next on his new journey of retirement. Don't forget to subscribe to the Hometown Fresh channel and check the description below for more information and helpful resources related to this episode.